Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations Half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne. I'm Kevin. And I'm Miriam. In today's gospel, some Pharisees are calling Jesus out of his mind, crazy, essentially, for some of the things that he's doing, like offering forgiveness to to sinners, to gathering tax collectors and fishermen and people who are seen as like not not pure or or worthy or part of the inner circle of of society among other things and so in her sermon pastor danielle responds to this by calling i guess into question the rigidity of truth today in um in some expressions of christianity calling us to look at our own church and, and lutheranism and looking at you know, what are the ways that we're putting truth in a box or God in a box? And are we creating an idea of normal that becomes like a wall for other people? And not, not only calling us to question that, but I guess calling us to be more like Jesus and <laughs> embracing um, the, the, the weirdness and the, um, and the beauty of like what it means to be a Christian and saying that might be more than what we're doing now. I think that's a good summary. <laughs> that's yeah, 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 that was good. So um, a lot of interesting themes came up in this um, that we're gonna um, touch on. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good one, I think. Um, what I don't know what what theme or quote would you guys like to start with that um, stood out to you? One of the things Pastor Danielle said is that we experience truth as a stagnant thing, and that hit home to me because I think. Truth isn't something that we are like working towards achieving and then we achieve and we've like figured it out and we're right and everything's like good and easy. It's like our whole life is or should be kind of like this ongoing wrestling with like what's true and like what's good and what should we be doing and how should we be living. So yeah, like the idea of experiencing truth as something stagnant just rings really hollow. Like it's not something that stays the same. When I look at history, I think when when any person or group of people you know, yeah, when a human uh, claims to to have like a monopoly on truth, it, it ends up being it, like more of a power thing than or an exclusivity thing than it is like a, I don't know, an expression of God's love in the world. You know, it, it tends to, I think, have negative and exclusive effects, that that kind of rigid truth. And yet I think we're all, it's human nature to kind of be drawn toward that certainty. It's the we've always done it this way, therefore we should always do it this way, kind of basing what truth off tradition, even when that kind of needs to be questioned or unpacked. Because it's a lot easier to say, like, these are the lines we've established and, like, we live within them. Like, that's a lot easier than saying, okay, how do we, like, love someone in a difficult situation? Like, how do we work through a hard circumstance like in a loving way it's easier to just like have kind of like a dogma that you can easily sort of follow a guidebook and a lot a lot of times the bible is presented that way like look at this book it has all the answers it'll tell you exactly how to live your life Uh, it's it's terribly ambiguous but (laughs) sometimes but yeah and i and i think that it can be comforting but what, I don't know, what, what are the downsides of having a truth that's based on, uh, on tradition and, and that we all have always done it 
this way. I mean, you then have to kind of question what power structures created that tradition. Mm. And how did kind of the world influence and decide that tradition? Like I'm thinking about for years, women were not allowed to be pastors because that's tradition. But then that's how we've always done it. Yeah. But then that's excluding half of the the voices and who God's speaking through from having this official role in the church. That's interesting. So if truth doesn't come f- from the past, I mean, that's, that's kind of awesome because then where is truth? Like, are we living into truth? Is truth like ahead of us instead Hopefully, of behind right? us? <laughs> I guess that's the goal, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of the cliche, the cliche, like the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Um, like, yeah. Can you uh, unpack that for, or maybe you're about to for uh, anyone who's never heard of it. Like living exactly to the letter of the law, like technically doing everything like quote, right. Versus living in the spirit of the law, like doing the things or like acting the way that kind of go beyond what the words on the page say, but sort of get to the heart of like what those words are intending to mean. And I was thinking of that. Mm specifically in the gospel reading from Mark, um, where Jesus is saying, truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So that's sort of like, that's, I, that to me sounds like Jesus saying, like, live by, live by the spirit of like what I'm saying and don't get so caught up as the Pharisees time and time again did in like, keeping all of these tiny rules that are, you know, in themselves, not the point. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing. I, I think a lot of, a lot of like, I think a lot of Jesus's ministry and like his, his word and a lot of what he has to say is like guiding us towards what's most important because, you know, at this point in, in the old Testament, there's so many different laws and reading and such a, uh, a rich history and, yeah, to me, this is another example of something Jesus does a lot of being like, okay, yes, there's all this, but like this one part is the most important. And it tends to be something, yeah, that's more like something you can kind of feel. It's more like rooted in love and like intention than exactly how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to bring up. Yeah, that just kind of ends up it's almost easier to obey the letter because then you you have your box, you have your wall, you have your lane, you know where you're meant to be. But then if you say, like, be loving or something like that, so much more expansive and the possibilities are so much more expansive. So then how can you know who's doing it right or not? And I think that kind of then rolls into another point that Pastor Daniel made in the sermon um, where... She was saying that when that maybe the Pharisees have such a strong reaction to Jesus doing things in kind of a different and new way, because it was like, if he is even a little bit right, if like the message that he is preaching about love and inclusion is even a little bit right, then it kind of pulls into doubt their whole worldview. It starts casting um, a different light, a more critical light on what they're doing. And, and she brought up um, an anecdote from a congregation where she preached, where she served prior to Advent um, about a young man with developmental different abilities who 
like had a really incredible capacity for loving people, but it, it you know, he, he um, sort of expressed that in ways that didn't seem typical. And his mother said, you know, people, people have a hard time accepting his just like wonderful love and like this, this quality that he emits because it then sort of makes them question, oh, like, am I, am I loving wrong? Am I not doing enough? You know, like com- comparing kind of their smaller view of like how to love. Yeah. I, yeah. Like it's, it's easy. It's easier to point at that person and be like, oh, that's not normal. That person's different than say, maybe they're doing something right. And I'm doing, and I could be loving better because I'm looking at, you know, it's just easier to call someone else different than consider the fact that, you know, looking on yourself and examine the ways, um, you know, look at the log in your own eye rather than the, the, uh, speck of dirt in your neighbors, you know, it's, it's not easy, but I don't know. But then again, if everyone did that and people were inspired by this, by this person and his different way of loving, like what I I can imagine ways that that could transform the community in like awesome ways. Right. Um, And I think that's, to me, that's what God's truth is about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of this um, Pastor Danielle was talking about at the beginning that she was a very anxious and weird child, but she didn't want to be kind of identified as weird. And I I very much related to that, but I all, I think it's just kind of we want to be normal. Um, and I was listening to an Invisibilia episode where they were talking about like the perceptions of normal, the perceptions of our world and how we act. And a lot of how we act is how we think other people will act. Hmm. Um, Mm, Yeah. So it's kind of... Psychology. Yeah. So it's how it's not just about us as individuals, but as a community, we can affect our actions and what we consider normal can affect like, oh, should I really be doing this? Mm. Yeah. I've read some, I don't know, some books and different things about that too. We tend to like our, you know, our, our brain extracts patterns and then we make predictions about what actions will be acceptable in a certain context. And that, you know, tends to consciously or subconsciously guide what we do. But then, you know, that depending on how you're forming that prediction, those predictions are like the community or the culture that you grow up in. That's, you know, how we inherit some of the power structures or the, yeah, the injustices of the past. Right. Mm-hmm. That, and something that Pastor Daniel said in the sermon was like, do we, do we want unity at any cost? Like, do we want, do we want a unity that is defined by like all of the things that make us different, all of the ways that like our community is diverse and like, all these wonderful different things that people bring do we want to just kind of grind all those down and like be the same yeah for for the sake of unity? standard issue god yeah for standard issue people because it's safe yeah. and it's like quote easier i mean it's easy if you fit into that box but if you don't that leaves you feeling excluded from from the love of god and i think like humans have such a capacity for making god's love too narrow like yeah we're so good at saying no like god's love is only this much i'm holding my hands like six (laughs) inches apart but really it's like you know so much bigger 
somewhere in there was like a point that really stood out for me. Like, and I think it's really good that like that doing that is easy if you fit in that box. So I, you know, right. I think, um, whether that be like lifelong Lutherans in our church who grew up with the tra- these traditions that are comfortable for them, or whether it's, you know, being like a white male in America or whatever, like it's, it's easy to uh, continue in the status quo if, if you fit the idea of what normal is, or if you, you know, if you, if it's convenient for you, you know, and I, um, but just because it's easy doesn't make it right and doesn't make it true, but it makes it all, all that much harder to call it out and to change. I think if you're on the easy side of the status quo though, because then you start like, you might feel like you're putting yourself at risk if you like move away from that status quo. Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of, I think, if we if we follow kind of the example of Jesus in this gospel of kind of reaching out to these people who haven't been reached out to and loving in this radical way, like, I, I yeah, I think it's uncomfortable in a variety of ways. It's the way you just described, but also, like Pastor Daniel raised the point that, like, loving in the way that Jesus does or that um, the the boy in her church does it's vulnerable, you know, it's, it's putting yourself out there and opening yourself up to different people in a way that can be kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And I think also, like, we, we also must keep looking at, even within our community, which, like, even within our church community, we need to, we need to constantly be evaluating what are the boxes that we've implemented. They might, yeah. they might not be the same sort of standards that other congregations or other denominations have but it's it's just such human nature that you know you kind of find your group and generally prescribe like this is the way we act this is who we are and and you you know we all we all constantly need to be reevaluating that like for example the first time uh the first time my husband set foot in a lutheran church was a couple years ago with me and i feel like having him there beside me in the pew it did sort of like open my ears like i was hearing i was hearing the sermon kind of like through his ears i was i was Mm. seeing the traditions through his eyes and you know it was all new to him and so like it made me think oh wow you know it's so important to like have someone greeting a person at the door if they've never been into a church like they need someone to say yeah come in and have a seat over here or like because you don't know you don't know yeah and like even in even in a community like ours where i think we are you know constantly like working to be really inclusive and open and open and welcoming we always need to keep in mind kind of like we've always got to be working more on that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of somebody talking about kind of liturgical churches tend to be very kind of regimented of like we do this and then we do that and then we do that. But how do we be welcoming and accepting of people even when they don't know or don't understand that regiment and like mess something up? Like we can't put the order uh, over like loving and over God. The letter. Yeah, over letter over the spirit. Yeah, for sure. I do. I do think that in our church here at Advent in the Lutheran Church, um, 
there there's a temptation to say like oh we have because oh we ordain women we ordain lgbtq individuals and, and trans pastors and all of this to, to say like pat ourselves on the back and be like oh well we we don't create boxes we let we let everyone in but the reality is like i've i've heard we've always done it this way i'm doing that in quotes we've always done it this way plenty of times at at this church here at advent um and there there are certain traditions and practices that um you know of whether it be the liturgy or how um how decisions are made how committees are formed and meet like all how ministries are done and led like um all of these things have histories and they have people in them who um maybe grew up in the lutheran church or people who haven't and and people tend to cling to things that feel familiar throughout our whole community and you know it's important for us individually and as a community to be willing to examine those things and and open them up to new people to the creativeness of the spirit but i i would be lying if i said that wasn't hard for uh, people here and isn't going to be hard if if yeah. we're able to continue to do that yeah i'm thinking about kind of like on a personal level how we enforce the boxes i remember there was i think it was an african-american lutheran pastor who um she kept getting questioned in lutheran churches being like oh so when did you convert to lutheranism like kind of this idea of so like people made an assumption yeah of, she converted yeah because she was black and there mm. just aren't black lutherans which is not true but that's yeah. that's kind of a box of like who is us. Yeah. That yeah. that question has an assumed box in it of what it means to be a lifelong Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Very true. If there if there is one box that it's easy to point out for Lutherans, it is the the cultural box of mm -hmm. like the you know, Lutheran has been connected to like Germanic Scandinavian culture for most of its history. And it's still very, very much a part of what it means to be Lutheran for a lot of people. But those tend to be the people who identify with that culture. And um, it, le it can leave others out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How do we... How do, It is good to like embrace your roots, right? But like, I, I, I think a lot about how do we appreciate that while also not building walls for other people and leaving room for for new ways of doing things and new traditions and cultures to take shape. Faith is dynamic, right? It, yeah. It's, it's necessarily kind of changing and evolving as, you know, new people are brought in and new traditions are incorporated. Yeah. And I think as we were saying earlier, like truth, truth is dynamic and, and not, stagnant you know i think that i think to me that was the point of one of the main points of pastor daniel's sermon is that some all people are tempted to make truth stagnant some expressions of the christian church do today i think her she asserted that no that's not accurate truth is flexible or flexible is the wrong word but i guess truth is we need to seek out and question what truth is and be willing to let it be creative, be willing to like let God do new things and still view that as truth, even if it's not what's always been done. I think something that I think like my parents must have talked about with me when I was a kid 
it's fine to have, it's good, it's healthy to have questions and doubts and to like struggle with your faith and to like Mm -hmm. wrestle over the word of God because in the end, like we believe it's true and and so we're going to find the answers. Like if you if you know mm. something is true, you should feel like empowered and confident in wrestling with it because like you believe that like at the end you you know at, at, you know you're going to get to the answer. You're going to you're going to really find the truth. There's truth at the end. Yeah. Trusting that it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. And so the, well, we don't want to like put truth in a box. There is some kind of like foundation and trust in God involved in the seeking out of truth. Yeah. And that can be something to plant your feet on. I was just thinking like how, like there is absolute truth. Like God's love is absolute truth, but that doesn't mean that truth is stagnant to go back to that word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I guess part of it's also like sometimes when we want to put like the details or the nuances in it, that's kind of where we can get caught. Yeah. Where the gospel definitely has some overall, like, justice and love and mercy, and all of these are, like, truths of our faith. But then it's like, but what does justice mean? Who gets to be loved? How do we show mercy? Those are the questions where we start to get caught. Yeah. The procedural part. (laughs) Yeah. The procedural part, we get it gets tricky, and then we get caught up in it, or we bicker about it, or and we lose sight of like the foundational concept that's you know prompting, prompting yes. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Gary shared an example in a, a sermon a couple weeks ago about different theologians kind of bickering over the nature of the Holy Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how that all works, and um how that can get in the way of like loving others and, you know, and living out the Christian faith. And, you know, and it is like, God is always going to be bigger than our understanding as much as we can get from the word and from being any part of a Christian community. Like God, love is bigger than our understanding. You know, God's love is bigger. God is bigger. And th- those are the absolute truths. So the things that are true are like, they're, they're, they're beyond us, and that's why I think why we have to keep allowing the the um, the unfolding and being attuned to that and seeking. So Pastor Danielle actually concludes with kind of presenting this picture of of Christianity that is kind of, I guess, be a little bit beyond the normal, like rejoicing, loving in radical ways, reaching out to different people being vulnerable. And she says, you know, in doing all these things, her hope is that we do it to the, to the extent that, that someone might look at you and see it, something so exceptional and be, and be like, are, are you out of your mind? To which she responds, yes, thank you. And I'm in good company. It was a great, <laughs> great closer. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, what do you guys think you'll do differently this week taking from this sermon? I think I might try and be aware of like, what are the assumptions I'm carrying around with me? Like what is, what is sort of like the box through which I'm looking at the world and try to sort of shake that box up a little bit. I think I'm going to try and be a little bit more 
expressive, like a little bit more loving, a little bit more rejoicey. I do, you know, like I do have a, a tendency. I, I would I would say like I'm generally a low energy person. So I tend to like, sometimes I'm like kind of sluggish on Sunday mornings in worship and I'm not like really rejoicing or I'm not, I don't know. It's just like my, my enthusiasm is like not very much. Obviously we're all different and have different energy levels and that's also okay. But like, I think... It like th- this sermon has inspired me to kind of like take that that Christian love and joy that I believe in and kind of like just like ramp it up a notch and maybe make that bring more of that into the world and to other people around me. Mm-hmm. Mine's kind of similar. I'm like, how can I kind of open myself up and get myself out of my own way to let God's love through me into mm. the world? Hmm. That sounds awesome. Good sounds luck. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See how yeah. well I do with all, that. All, all of those two. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. You can email us at podcast at adventnyc.org or join our Facebook group, Advent Sermons and Conversations, to join in the discussion. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.